Hi, this is Rob Wilson. Thanks again for joining us with the Employco HR podcast. With me again this week is uh, my partner, Scott Wilson. Hi there. Jason Eisenhut, our vice president of HR. Hello, everybody. And Nikki Navarro working the board. So thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us again this week. This week's uh, HR topic is medical marijuana in the workplace. It's uh, becoming a, a very, uh, very interesting topic across the country as, uh, as 25, 25 states plus Washington, D.C. have now legalized the uh, use of medical marijuana. So uh, Ohio was the most recent one that uh, governor, the governor just uh, signed a bill last week legalizing medical marijuana. Governor Kasich did. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. The uh, Illinois, uh, as, as we're based in Illinois, but operate uh, across 49 states, uh, Illinois, we are, uh, uh, the state has legalized medical marijuana in the workplace. Yeah, I think that number is going to continue to grow, that 25 states, although we'll, unless it becomes a law at the federal level, I think this number of states legalizing medical marijuana will continue to grow, and the number of patients in each state already legal, I think that's going to continue to grow as more and more patients see uh, or think that it would be a benefit for them or the number of um, accepted conditions grows. So, for example, Illinois, I think we're in the process. Uh, Governor Rauner just signed a bill that he's adding uh, PSTD uh, as an accepted and then uh, terminal illness as an accepted reason for being uh, put on the patient registry for medical marijuana. So I think the issue in the workplace is going to continue to grow as more and more patients and states become on board with medical marijuana. Right. Surprisingly, in Illinois at this point, there's only 7,000 authorized uh, patients. Yeah, yeah, that's well below their initial projections, but that number continues to grow by somewhere between six and 800 patients, new patients per month being added to the list. Now, I wonder, is there a backlog then for people wanting to get a medical marijuana card? Or yeah, I, just, don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to see how many people have actually applied opposed to if, you know, they're doing a slowdown and slowly introducing it, which, you know. Well, it is much, it's, it is much stricter than in other, other states. Okay. So uh, as, as compared to you know, states like California, it is, uh, it is stricter in, in Illinois to become a patient. So, and then you've got four states that allow both recreational and, uh, and uh, medical marijuana, which uh, Alaska, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, and I think you'll see that expand also, which, you know, then that delves into the area of, you know, people have always, I'm sure, you know, driven under the influence and things like that. But as it's more readily available, I'm sure that's part of the lawmakers, you know, issues that they're dealing with. You know, when do you make it legal? Are there, you know, are more car accidents or are there more workplace injuries or things like that? Right. Absolutely. And, and legislative, uh, federally, it's it's still considered a, uh, a controlled substance. It's a, an illegal drug on a, on a federal level. And, Jason, there's a variety of uh, different states taking action. Yeah, so this is where the complications for employers really kick in because, like Rob mentioned, at the federal level, the DEA and Controlled Substances Act still classifies marijuana as a uh, Schedule One substance, which that puts it in the same classifications as heroin, LSD, and ecstasy, where that means that um, there's currently no accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. So as long as it's illegal on the federal level, employers really are struggling in the states that have legalized medical marijuana or even recreational use. What do we do as employers when someone is under the influence or test positive or both? Um, some states like New Mexico. New Mexico just had a, a pretty big court ruling at the federal level in New Mexico saying the employers are not under any obligation to accommodate 
medical marijuana use uh, because the, one of the employers in New Mexico had uh, made a conditional offer of employment and someone failed a drug test pre-employment. They said, we're not going to hire you. He was a medical marijuana cardholder, and the court held up, and that, that was fine for the employer to do that in New Mexico. Other states like Illinois and especially some like Arizona and Delaware have specifically said well, you cannot discriminate as employers against people who are medical marijuana users or cardholders. That, in states like Illinois, makes it very, very tricky for employers to navigate the waters of what do we do when someone is either under the influence or test positive, either as an existing employee or as a, a pre-employment test. Right, whether it's, uh, whether it's the hiring or the firing, and uh, they're not a protected class, or are they a protected class? Yeah, that, I mean, this is a very gray area. There are cases escalating through the court system all through, all through the United States right now, reaching the Supreme Court at some point, um, and especially our employers in states like Illinois where it is, medical, it is allowed and their employers are not allowed to discriminate. Employers are really struggling because at the federal level with the legislation like the Americans with Disabilities Act or FMLA, the marijuana being illegal at the federal level, Employers can do what they want if someone is under the influence or test positive for marijuana. But at the state level, there are certain state regulations you have to follow. So it's really how far does the employer want to push? And, and I'm then, sure that's why it's in court, because I would think right. that employers that are going after the employees that are users, they're saying that federal trumps state. And that's that gray area. Right. Uh, you know, we had a recent case with uh, with a client that uh, a, uh, they had a forklift driver that was uh, driving the uh, forklift and managed to to uh, run into a uh, couple and, pallets, right, and and damaged a uh, damaged some some uh, freight or property. And their uh, their policy is anytime you damage uh, damage something, you you're drug tested. So we happened to be there that we had a company that we work with that drug tested the. Uh, the employee, and it came back on site that he, it tested positive. We, uh, well, and that's one of the things, too, that we recommend from a testing standpoint. If you're going to go that route, the, uh, the way we do things is we not only do the rapid test, but then if you fail, it's sent out to a laboratory, and then they can give you the actual amounts. Right, so, so if you just rely on just the rapid test, especially in these gray area states, it could get you into trouble. Right, right. so we had... Uh, once it was confirmed, we sent it out to the lab, so the lab actually certifies it and, and brings back what the level is. The uh, at the at the same time, the person was taken off the job two days later. When we said, "Look, this is you know, you were confirmed at the he time." Failed the test. At the time he failed it, they took him off the job. Uh, when we got the official lab results back, he came back and said, "I've got a medical marijuana card. You can't you can't take me off the job, and you owe me for my for my lost time." So fortunately, in, in this case, the, uh, the client was party to a collective bargaining agreement, and within that collective bargaining agreement, they had drug testing levels. So within that level, they were able to compare uh, his level to the, uh, to the contract level, and despite he said, well, I just took my prescription, that, that we had a doctor came back and verified the test results that you know, his his complaint was, I just took my regular prescription, mm-hmm. and we all react differently to prescriptions. But he tested ten times over the wow. the, the limit of the contract, which you know that then becomes a question. Uh, well, one, our employer won the case, but on the on the second point, you've got someone operating med- uh, heavy machinery, or really any machinery. Right. You've got a factory, and you've got a guy uh, operating a saw. 
they they can't be under the influence. No different than if you're you know you're taking Vicodin as a prescription right, or, drug or you know legal alcohol. I mean, it's no different if you know alcohol is legal, but it doesn't entitle you to be completely out of your mind, you know, drunk while driving you know a large device. So. This is really a, a great tough area for employers because alcohol stays in your system. You get a drug al- drug al- or alcohol test and you and you uh, show. 0.08 on your alcohol test. That's usually short term, but marijuana right. can stay in your system for yep. days or weeks. Yeah, up to thir- if you do a hair test, thirty days. But uh, in, and the in, volumes change too, right? Right. right. Yeah. But the but the good thing from a, if you have established levels, whether it's in a collective bargaining agreement or your policy handbook, those you know it, depending on what you, where you establish that limit. If it's someone that they you know, they test positive, but you know, that's where the rapid test is is not as effective as right. having a, a lab. Pass, a pass fail test isn't going to do hold up as well in court. Right. So if you've especially got especially if if you're talking levels. Right. So if you've got somebody that has tested, they tested positive, but the results come back that it's so low that maybe they you know they aren't taking it in the workplace, but it has a you know so they're they're not under the influence or you know, stoned while they're at work, but it's still in their system. Mm-hmm. So you. That's something that you really need to look at from a uh, from a handbook standpoint and, and your your policy statements. And so. I think, as Jason would agree, I mean, we recommend preventative having your employee handbooks in order ahead of time and not being reactive. Yeah. So one thing you want to do is look at what states do you operate in. So if you're in a state like Illinois that prohibits discrimination, we need to take a look at the handbook and your policies to make sure that we either classify marijuana, change the policy to talk about all illegal drugs or get away from a zero-tolerance policy and move towards uh, a no-impairment policy. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a state like New Mexico or some of the other ones like Colorado that don't prohibit discrimination at the employer level, and then if you use a pass-fail, that's fine. You, you, you don't have to worry about different levels and showing impairment. So really, companies like Employco, that we can help clients work through these murky waters. Okay, what states are you operating in? Okay, then we can walk you through where the legislation laws are in each of those states, and what's our recommendation for each of these employers? Right, especially when if you're a multi-state employer, you want to have, you know, typically you're going to have one general handbook, so you, your policy needs to go across those multiple states. Or, and, and whether you're a client or not, you can always send us questions at hr.employco.com, and we'll say that again at the end of the podcast, but I figure this is a probably a time where if someone's listening to this on their phone, on the train, or whatever, and they have a question, send it to us at employco at hr.com. Yeah, we're more than happy to help. Yeah, we can look at each, we can either review your existing policies in handbook or help you create a customized one from scratch. We have kind of policies and ready to go, and we can work with the decision maker, the owner, the president, the HR person on what policy makes sense for their culture and their states. Mm-hmm. So from a recommendation standpoint, you really need, you need to look at your, your handbook. If you have, if you're party to a collective bargaining agreement, the odds are that in, in today's environment, the collective bargaining agreement is is going to address drug testing and drug limits. Mm-hmm. So look at your collective bargaining agreement, and uh, another area: educate your managers. Yeah, and even if you have a collective bargaining agreement or a handbook, if we can help clients stay abreast of the different laws in different states. But if, for example, Ohio just passed a law this week, so any Ohio employers with a collective bargaining agreement really need to take a look at that or their own handbooks. So this is kind of a moving target, and some states, even though they may legalize marijuana now, may not have uh, discrimination prohibitions on the books now, but that might change in four months. So it's kind of a moving 
moving door and we can help employers and clients stay on top of it and write the right policies and handbooks and manager training to accommodate the different states and different culture that they, they operate in. Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be a reoccurring podcast as the laws change or a podcast topic as the laws change. I mean, it's yeah, amazing so, how fluid it is. Yeah, surprisingly, in the in the last uh, year and a half, they've only wanted a year and a half ago there were 24 states. Now we're only at 25 plus uh, plus D.C. So it'd be interesting to see how many more states are going to adopt it. And uh, when you look at uh, medical, uh, that's medical related. There's only four on recreational, but is that four going to change? All right. And, and I just read that yeah. Canada is potentially looking at countrywide legislation to legalize it. So as more and more countries and states get on board, maybe we're going to start facing a federal law change at some point sure. to, to legalize it. So this might be countrywide within a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, once the courts get inundated with so many cases, I think the federal government's going to have to do an update to their laws. One Either way, recreational, one way or the right? other, right? Yep. So. so, and if an employee ever approaches, if let's say there is a, one of our employers does have a failed drug test or somebody appears under the influence or has an impairment, one of the things, if, it, if we do come across uh, a medical marijuana s- situation as opposed to some of the recreational states, but if there is a medical marijuana situation, we recommend to engage the employees in, in, inter- in an interactive process. So what we do want to stay away from is disability discrimination. So if someone has diabetes or a different disability and they're taking marijuana, right, yep, at least engage them in the interactive process. Okay, what do you need any accommodations? And if they bring up marijuana, then we're going to go that route, and we can the client can work with us, and we can work through recommendations on how to move forward. If they don't need a reasonable accommodation for their disability. That, that helps the employer navigate the waters a little bit more easy. Mm-hmm. Great. The, uh, some great advice, Jason. Thanks for, uh, you know, we always look forward to the recommendations of what, uh, what employers can do on, uh, on our topics. So thanks a lot for listening this week. We are uh, going to take next week off in, uh, in honor of the 4th of July. So have a, uh, have a happy and safe uh, 4th of July long Please weekend. Please be safe. Yep. Right. And uh, we will uh, see you the following week. So thanks for joining us uh, at the Employco HR podcast. And yeah, and any questions, again, hr at employco.com. Send it to us. It goes right to Jason. And uh, you can also go to our website at employco.com, E-M-P-L-O-I-C-O.com. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thank everyone. You.